only way that they're going to truly see if, if you're worth their scholarship money is if they see you in person and they think, wow, I like that kid. And it's not only just the talent, right? It's, it's all of the attitude, the body language, the passion, the energy, all of these intangibles, right? That a lot of coaches will sign kids for not just based on their talent because talent can always get better, but these things that you come with, those develop as you get older and better at this game and you build those relationships. So if you come in with such a strong foundation, they see a limitless possibility of what you can achieve at their program and what kind of player you could be. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey team, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Agle. I feel like it gets redundant when I keep saying that, but I guess I'll keep saying it. But I'm so excited to either have you back listening to another episode, or if this is the first episode you're listening to, welcome to the show. Very excited to have you here. And I'm also excited to introduce to you a great friend of mine in the game, and her name is Tori Vidalis. If you watch the Olympics, you may have seen for Team Mexico, Tori playing her heart out on the field. She absolutely crushed it offensively and defensively at first base. Sadly, in the Olympics, they ended up getting fourth. So we're so close to meddling. But either way, Team Mexico was so fun to watch. And of course, watching a friend of mine, Tori, was even more fun. Tori and I met back when we were working for the package deal. We were the quote-unquote roster girls, so we would travel with them multiple times a month, and sometimes we would even fly from one state to another in the same weekend. We are crazy, and jokingly, some of the package deal founders were talking about how they don't even know how they did that. Like When we were in a season of just traveling every week, we were the first flight out, last flights in. Like, I don't know how we did that. I really don't. And those were a lot of our off days too, because a lot of us, um, we gave lessons during the week and like, let's say four or five times a week. And then on the weekends, we would go travel the country and coach some more. So crazy, crazy season of our lives. And we talk about it a little bit here, but I'm just so excited to show you one of the most humble, hardworking, self-driven, honest, and real humans in the game of softball. In this episode, we talk about her journey to college. Um, she gives a lot of great recruiting advice. She also set three records at AM for runs, which she got 198 runs, RBIs, 219, total bases, 480, 
and she got second in home runs with 65, and 20 of them came her freshman season. Crazy, crazy numbers and crazy stats. Now, I originally invited her on the show so we could talk hitting and a little bit of first base because we haven't given them much love yet. But as you'll see in this episode, she dives a lot into her story and her journey. And I think we got so far into that great stuff that I decided I'm going to record with her at another time this fall. And we're going to dive into more of that first base and hitting. We also talk about her journey through pro ball. Crazy enough, she also played in the same NPF as me, but she's been there since the beginning and now is playing for AU, which is that crazy awesome league called Athletes Unlimited played in Chicago. She has been playing for them for multiple seasons now and is really living her best life. So she shares a little bit about her professional journey. And then of course, she talks about the Olympics and you might be surprised with her reaction on the Olympics, which... Many of them, you know, there's obviously like incredibly cool things that they experienced, but it was also a crazy year with no fans and no family could watch. And it was just outright crazy. She gives a lot of advice on what she would tell her younger self. Um, So I feel like young athletes listening, our parents or coaches of young athletes can really dive deep into, you know, what youth athletes are truly going through. And she also shares advice on how you should always be asking questions from teammates and coaches and just those people around you and how much that can truly elevate you as a player. And of course, there's so much more we dive into this conversation, but I'm so excited to introduce to you my good friend, Tori Vidalis. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. My girl, Tori Vidalis is in the house. Welcome to the show, Tori. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I feel like we've worked together so long and I've watched you from afar and now I finally get to be on the podcast. So excited. The feeling is completely mutual. I literally get to watch you compete in the Olympics (laughs) after we had spent like two years of our lives traveling the country with the package deal together, sharing stories, not sleeping at all. And now we get to be here and reminisce. Emphasis on the no sleep. Emphasis. Yeah. (laughs) Emphasis on the no sleep. Did you have the earliest flights and the latest flights home too? I feel like I did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every time. It's it's the way to do it. And I was two hours Allowed from for my more airport. time together though. I know. That's so true. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Day in the life. It was great. Oh. It was great. We got Brutal. to do what we loved. We got to teach the game. And as our listeners are going to find out in a little bit, we both love hitting. And we spent a lot of times with hitters mm-hmm. at these clinics. Also, we're going to give a little love to first base because you and I both played that position um, and you still play that oh, position. Yeah. So I think that'll yeah. be a cool little bit of love to first baseman out there that we haven't really, you know, tapped into much. So I'm excited for that. Me too. Me too. Let's Can't go. Wait to talk softball. I know. I'm so pumped. Um, so you were born and raised in Texas. Uh, the big old state of Texas. Um, can you start off by sharing like your story of when you first started playing to college? Let's start there. Yeah. So I actually come from a very athletic family. My parents both played sports all through high school, college. Um, my dad played baseball at Texas Tech and my mom actually played basketball at a junior college in Brenham, Blinn College, which like probably 30 minutes away from college station. So it's just funny how it all is like full circle now. Mm. But um, 
they played slow pitch softball whenever Josh, my brother and I were born. So we kind of grew up at the fields and got an understanding of the game really early in our life. And so Josh and I would always be on the side with a bat, like a full size bat that the adults were using and like a wiffle ball and trying to throw it back and forth to each other. And usually how it would work out is I would toss the ball, he would hit it and he would make me go get it and come back and throw (laughs) it again. So it was a lot of grunt work on my end, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, we, we were very fortunate in the fact that our parents really let us explore the world of sports. We got a little bit of everything. We played uh, basketball, softball and baseball, soccer. Uh, We did a little bit of track. I played tennis. I was on the dive team in high school, swim and dive. And so I think the point of that was, was to allow us to find what we truly loved to do. And that way it wasn't like a sense of, okay, my parents are pushing their like wants and dreams for their kid onto us. It was kind of like explore, see what you want and whatever sticks sticks. And we'll go, we'll go balls to the wall for that sport, whatever it may be. So Uh, I started in t-ball first with all the boys, of course. I'm sure a lot of us have that same similar story, but started in in t-ball. I think I was five. And then my dad said he avoided putting me in 6U in like league ball because I was so far advanced that he was scared that somebody might actually get hurt because I was always playing with my brother who was two years older than me and actually almost three years older than me. So I just wanted to do everything he did. So he started throwing, I started throwing, he started catching, I started catching. So I was just moving at a very quick pace, which I'm so thankful for that. But so I didn't actually start playing softball until I was, I believe seven. And I was the youngest kid on my team because we were playing with a select team, but it was only kids from our area. So kids from Laporte, Texas, and we were called the Pugnacious. Oh, which beautiful I think name. Is so funny, but <laughs> beautiful. Pugnacious. We had it across the butt with like the Sophie shorts, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. with, with like the teal the bubble Sophie letters. <laughs> shorts. Bring them back. Yes. Oh, you can't ever let them die. But so we played there and I was a runt. Like I was so tiny back in the day and I was the complete opposite player of what I am now. So I was super fast. Um, I hit like gap to gap. I really stayed inside the ball. I could run forever, which I don't know if I could do now, but (laughs) so I ended up starting in the outfield. So I started in the outfield and they were like, we'll just throw her out there. No one's going to hit it out there, whatever. It'll be fine. Well, I ended up holding it down in center field and I was the smallest, youngest one on the team. And I essentially became like this anchor of the defense as a seven-year-old, which is so funny to think about. But my mom would always say like, they put you out there expecting you to never get any action. And you ended up running the outfield and catching everything. Nothing got by you. So it's just funny how everything came full circle, but continued to play and just move teams um, whenever I was aging out of the process or of that age group. And the cool thing that I think really landed me in a great position to meet Coach Evans and get on a visit at A&M was my eighth grade year. We were playing up in age group. So we should have been in 14U, but a lot of the girls had been together for a while and we were pretty good. So we were like, let's just try to go into the 16U bracket, see how we do and see how things work out. And we ended up playing so well. We beat 
pretty much every team and we were in the championship with the Texas Glory. Mm. And that was the first time I had ever heard of Glory, which is like a huge program, just iconic in Texas. Everyone knows who Glory is. And we had no idea. So we were just playing. Mm -hmm. And since we were in eighth grade, the NCAA rules didn't apply to us. So a lot of the college coaches that were there scouting these 16 new tournaments, which should have been freshman and sophomore in high school, we were so much younger that we were allowed to go talk to these coaches. So coach Evans stayed and watched our game. And uh, I, I can't remember who went up to who first, but I remember having a conversation with her and, you know, introducing myself, telling her where I was from, all of these things. And she was like, yeah, you know, I, I love the way you play. And at this point in my career, I was at shortstop and I had been there for quite a while and I was a power hitter. And so coming into the form of who I am now as a player, who I was in college and, uh, you know, she invited me on a visit and I ended up going in the summer to the week long camp with one of my teammates at the time who also ended up committing to A&M. So it was a perfect little full circle moment, but we went to the camp and before I left camp, coach had offered me a spot to play at A&M and I committed that day and I was 15 years old. And the next day I got my driver's permit. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, it's crazy to think about in the like grand scheme of things, how, how young I was, how big of a decision it was that early on in life. Like you don't really know who you are as a person yet. And you don't even really know what you want to be as a person Mm -hmm. yet, because at that age you haven't experienced life the way it's meant to be experienced. So yeah, uh, committed my freshman year going into sophomore year summer. And finally, what felt like forever, finally got to college and was a part of A&M softball from 2015 to 2018. So quite a journey, but we made it. Amazing. Okay. So what I love about this first part of your beautiful journey is one, your coach is saying, hey, let's just play up and just play. Like, let's just see how it goes. And you guys thrived. Mm -hmm. And what I think is amazing is the fact that like Texas Glory is what it is, right? You got your Bat Busters, you're all of your like big old teams. And then there's Glory, but you're just like, no, we're just here to play softball. And I think what get what right. hurts a lot of teams, especially in travel, is like giving the team that they're playing against way too much credit credit before they go in. And you guys are just like, no, we're just here to win you know, and you're young and like, and you don't even care. You're just like, yeah, we're babies, but like, let's just do what we do. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot of coaches that like listen to this. And so kind of like making sure we put our energy into just us and what we can do is huge and important. And yeah, it all worked out. And I think also ignorance is a little bit bliss, right? Like we had no idea they were. So like, how are you scared of a team that you've never played and never heard of? So but that does happen a lot. Like you, you give this other team almost a head start in the game when it's like we're coming to the field, we're throwing the same ball, we're swinging the same bats, we're wearing the same cleats. What gives them the automatic, almost like gut feeling of oh, they're going to win? Mm-hmm. Why don't Why don't we bet on ourselves more and put that negative energy that you're sending out into a positive energy into yourself and to your own team? Because everybody has a bad day. We, I mean, we've all heard the saying: the game doesn't know who's supposed to win. Mm-hmm. So why do we go in with these preconceived notions of, oh, today's going to be their day? Well, why can't today be our day? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any team can win on any given day. And like, 
That's absolutely. So and we've good. seen it so many times. You see all the upsets yep. in postseason and regular season, high school. You know, we've seen it happen a million times. So this is why we love sports uh, upsets. Let's go, underdogs. Exactly. Love it. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention too is that. It, it seemed to be like you talked to Coach Evans, which how cool. You were so young and you just went up there and talked to her, how bold. Mm-hmm. Um, but then right away, you stayed on her radar and came to a camp. I think I think that's important for a lot of, you know, right now it's juniors, you know, in college because now that's when coaches can talk to you. But it's really good to, like, get yourself on a coach's radar. And there's a lot of people here that want to get recruited. And, like, if there's any sort of you know, inkling of this coach knowing who you are, you need to go get in front of their face and you need to compete in front of them. And because I see a lot of kids right now, it's like they're on their radar and then they just hope and pray that they stay on their radar. When in like reality, like (laughs) this coach is dealing with like thousands, hundreds of thousands, I feel like athletes and you have to find your way to stand out. So you clearly did. Yeah. And like just taking action is the first part, right? Like even though, recruiting is so different now. Like when we were in school, it was, okay, you send an email with your schedule and then you just kind of keep sending emails until they show up until you get a bunch of coaches or maybe you're playing in a big tournament. But now I feel like so much has transitioned to social media. And a lot of kids think that, you know, just sending a tweet with a highlight video is going to be enough, which maybe that's going to pique their interest. But the best thing that you can do is email the coaches. Like if you have a top 10 list of schools that you want to go to email, every single coach, a personalized email, what you like about their school, what you like about their team. Why do you want to go there? um, What appeals to you from their program? And then give them your schedule. Be like, Hey, I will be playing this day at this field. And then on top of that, go to camps. Like the only way that they're going to truly see if, if you're worth their scholarship money, is if they see you in person and they think, wow, I like that kid. And it's not only just the talent, right? It's it's all of the attitude, the body language, the passion, the energy, all of these intangibles, right, that a lot of coaches will sign kids for, not just based on their talent, because talent can always get better. But these things that you come with, those develop as you get older and better at this game and you build those relationships. So if you come in with such a strong foundation, they see a limitless possibility of what you can achieve at their program and what kind of player you could be. Oh, so good. Can we just end the interview now? Just kidding. We have so much more to talk about. That was such a good (laughs) bike drop. But seriously, um, as a kid from the Midwest who frankly has to prove herself a little bit more than warmer states, um, there's a lot of kids from the Midwest that listen to this. Camps are everything. Like I remember going to my first Purdue camp mm-hmm. and it, I was not invited. I just went because a teammate or a friend was going and I fell in love, first of all, with Purdue at that camp. And then all of a sudden they saw me and they and they were able to like see me on their radar. So like camps are everything. And now they're hosting more camps. I feel like there's one in the summer. Now there's one in the fall, winter, always like there's opportunities and definitely take advantage. So many. So many. Okay. So let's dive into the college journey now. Okay, like if you go back and look at Tori Vidalis' stats, you'd be like, holy crap, she's a two-time All-American for a reason. (laughs) You kill it in so many categories. But take us through your journey through college. Because you hit, I mean, 20 home runs your freshman year. That's insane. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) Like take us us through. I mean, I came in, our, our whole class came in and knew that we were pretty much going to have to have an immediate impact because we graduated 
a really large class. So the class that came out that were leaving as we came in was like kind of like the glue of the team. They had all Americans, they had the leadership, they had the talent, right? They had all of these things. And so we knew coming in, one, that there would be a lot of opportunities for positions up for grabs and two, a lot of opportunities for leadership positions as well. So when we came in, we kind of tried to stick together as a class, right? All of our freshmen, um, we made sure we were doing our conditioning tests together. We made sure everybody was always on time to morning weights, like just little things that we could kind of help with each other, getting your schoolwork, getting everything done. But on the softball side, personally, I felt at ease. Like I felt like I was coming in and I finally, there was one part of my life again that was solid, that I knew what I was doing. I knew that I could control it and I knew that it would be okay. Like everything else when you move to college is overwhelming. Like the the classes, living on your own, um, cleaning, going to the grocery store. Like there are so many things that you have to take on as a freshman moving to a place by yourself with your parents not there every day with you. So softball was really the one place where I could just kind of relax Mm -hmm. and relinquish control of what I thought that I had to do. And so it's funny because people always say like, oh, what's the transition like to college softball? For me, it was extremely easy. And I don't know if that was just because I was like so ignorant to what was happening. But also I didn't watch a lot of college softball growing up, which I know is crazy Mm -hmm. now that I think about it. I'm like, how was I not watching college softball? But I didn't really know like who the All-Americans were. I didn't know how that process even worked. I didn't know about regionals. I didn't know about rankings. I just knew that I was there to play and win. So uh, we had a lot of things freshman year, just like meetings and stuff uh, that coach was trying to kind of explain to us like, okay, this is why you want to be in the top 16 because you can host a regional you want to be in the top eight so we can host a super and then once you win a super that's how you get to the world series and now my gears are starting to turn i'm like oh okay i get it i get it i get it it makes sense i never felt like a pressure either to perform because i knew that people didn't know who i was and i knew that i had to make for myself not that people had to know who i was so it was more of a me wanting to prove to the world that I deserve to be like a top softball athlete more so than going into college, being a top one recruit and all of these people expecting this performance out of me. So I think that allowed me to not have any stress playing. I enjoyed my freshman year a lot just with the softball aspect. We were not very good as a team. We lost a lot of games, but it felt so good to be like working all season and build up to those 60 games and like the journey that you go on throughout the season because that's your first time really going through a full year of college softball Mm -hmm. and it's such a a wild ride so but at the end of freshman year coach jerry glasgow who was our hitting coach at the time he i guess he was trying to explain to me how the all-american thing worked and i didn't really understand i thought it was just like oh well if your numbers are good enough you just like make it (laughs) and uh then he was explaining to me you know like the uh all tournament teams the all conference teams the all region teams you know all of these different things that kind of lead up to that all american status and i think i made like first team all south i don't even remember what region we were in but um i made like a couple of these things so he was kind of hyping me up like, oh, you're going to be an All-American this year and all of these things. And 
I remember they came out and I didn't make it and I was crushed because yeah. I thought I had such a great season. And mind you, I played, I played third base my freshman year. So a little bit um, wider of a, a talent pool because there's so many really good third basemen, not only just offensively, but defensively as well. So, um, and that was also the year that Marissa Runyon from Alabama had that walk off against OU, sent them to the World Series. And so it was just like this huge thing. And we had lost in regionals. So I personally think that it has a lot to do with the, the picking of all Americans. It's like, how far does your team make it? How good is your team? on top of how good are your personal stats. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. ended up making all American that year, but then the, the next year you, I moved over to first base and um, was able to make all American year. But funny enough, my best year was my freshman year in terms of straight numbers. Yeah. And so it's just Isn't funny how everything falls. Cause it's not only dependent on you. It's dependent on everything that goes on in, in the entire NCAA softball world. So a lot of factors but for them Mm -hmm. to line up twice in my career is is such an honor i i think it has a lot too is like when you show up so what's crazy is you're talking about this and i was um all big 10 my sophomore and junior year and i had my best season my senior year but didn't even get any big 10 honors and when it came down to it i was walked the majority of big 10 season like i was just no one nobody Mm. pitched to me and then i started swinging at crappy pitches because i'm just like Somebody has to hit, you know? Right. And I think it's right. about like when you show up. Cause I showed up like all, and I got, I ended up getting like all region that year, but that was because my preseason mm. was so good. So it really does, ha- it's so crazy. There's so much politics to it. Like I can tell you, my dad was PO'd when I didn't get anything <laughs> my senior year. Cause that was the year where it was like my breakout season. It's the reason why I was able to play pro. And like, I didn't get that honor. So it's kind of crazy how a lot of, you know, what we do and um, we kind of, did you ever put yourself worth in that? You didn't get all American your freshman year. Cause I know I was crushed like internally when I did not get the award that I thought I would get. Did you feel any of that or were you able to get over that quickly? I don't think I, I mean, I was definitely bummed for sure. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to go through a whole nother year to even prove myself to like make this honor. And like a big thing for us was the all American plaques in our team room were on the wall and it was listed like what year. And then had like a cute action shot of you. So growing up going like on visits and stuff, I was like, I'm going to be on that wall one day. Like I want to be on that wall. I want to be one of the best to ever do it at A&M. And when I didn't make it freshman year, I'm like, well, there goes my chance of being a four-time All-American, right? Mm. But um, I think for me, it was more like, it didn't matter how many times, I just knew that I wanted to prove myself that I could be an All-American. So I was bummed in the sense of I would have to try again, but I was more excited at the fact of, okay, if I did this well this season, how much better can I get? Mm. That's awesome. That's such a good way to look at that. Amazing. Okay, so you play (laughs) collegiately and again, all of the records. I, I literally wrote down you're a record holder and so many things. Runs 198, RBIs 219, total bases 480, second in home runs with 65. You've done the thing and now you're playing pro. What's that like? Mm-hmm. What's playing pro like? Man, it is a grind. I think it's so different from college softball. And I 
think that's why like you don't see at least right now you don't see a lot of players going to play pro after their college seasons one because there's two leagues right now athletes unlimited and w wpf women's pro fast pitch and so the opportunities are very limited and you have to really love this game to play professionally because this sport does not pay us enough to live alone solely on playing. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to find opportunities that provide you with money to live, right? And a lot of times it could be, you know, coaching or in my case, color commentating, uh, something around the game that revolves around the game and you're able to kind of stay in it. That will also allow you to, in my case, take six weeks off to go play your professional season. So there have been some cases where we want to draft somebody and to AU and they already have plans after college, right? They have a job lined up or they have a a new house that they just bought or whatever it is. And that impacts them from being able to come play pro. So the biggest thing has been learning how to handle life as a pro because it is a little bit chaotic and a little bit everywhere. There's not really a routine and there's, you're not going to be rich. Let's just (laughs) point out the obvious you're not going to make a ton of money and you have to find a way to provide yourself with the life that you want to live and another part of it obviously is the the talent aspect of it there's a lot of people that are really great in college and then go to pro ball and realize wow everyone here is good what am what's going on like why isn't my ball rising or why am i not hitting doubles in the gap or why can't I get the ball over the fence and there's little things like the difference of the weight in the ball like the ball is a little bit heavier for pro so college pitchers some of them don't even notice which I think is hilarious because <laughs> you do the same thing every day you would notice if it's a little bit heavier mm-hmm. but some of them have a really hard time adjusting to that because your pitches don't jump as much like if you're a rise ball pitcher it's harder to get that ball to work against gravity Whereas if you're a drop ball pitcher, it really plays in your favor. Like Carrie Eberly was a great one that we saw that had a lot of success because she throws the ball down in the zone and that gravity with the weight of the ball helps her so much. But just little things like that. And a funny story now that, that happened this, this summer was Mariah Maison came and played in AU and kind of came in as a last minute replacement because of an injury. And I was the very first hit her up and I was like, you know, I'm just going to swing at the first pitch. Why not? If she plays it, I'm going to throw it. I'm going to swing. And I hit a home run and the, I forgot who was catching, but they came out and they talked to her and she was also my roommate. So when we come, came home later that night, she was like, I can't believe you did that to me on my first pitch in my <laughs> professional career. I was like, I'm so sorry, dude. Look, like you played that ball. I had to go for it. And she was like, no one told me that I had to throw like river to river every like because in college the strike zone is so small Mm -hmm. in pro it's like oh yeah way too big sometimes (laughs) so she was thinking you know she had to hit the black of the plate inside outside when in reality like if you put the ball in the black and professionally it's going to get put over the fence Mm -hmm. like or someone's going to get hurt so we had to explain to her like you need to widen it like whatever you think is going to be a strike throw it probably like three inches further out because the the zone is so much bigger the hitters are so much better the bats are so much hotter the ball is heavier so finding a way to adjust your game from being in that college mindset to really digging into the minds of all the other pros that have been there because they've been there so long they have tips that'll help you you just have to realize like you got to ask like you got to want to learn you have to ask questions and 
go to things that maybe you wouldn't have gone to in college. So being a pro is very chaotic. It's very sporadic, but it's very fun. I love it so much. And I've been able to learn so much about the game and not only about the game, but really getting to know people's experiences and what they went through during college and realizing maybe the person I saw in college on the TV screen was a complete 180 of who they were in person and who they were as a teammate. So it's, it's fun to see life kind of come full circle when you get to play professionally mm-hmm. with these incredible athletes. So who are those players where you were like, I thought one thing about you and you are totally different than what I expected? I'm interested to hear your your names. Oh my gosh, a great one is uh, Jesse Warren. You know, she was just this superstar in like all throughout her college career, but really we saw her shine at the World Series in 2018. And uh, I was playing with Scrapyard at the time. And I remember we played Florida State and she struck out. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, yes, like, we struck her out. Like we, we've got a chance at this game. Like it, it was like almost like a, a turning point. I was like, yeah, we struck Jesse Warren out. Oh, we're winning this game, which is so funny because you can't base one, like one situation on the outcome of the game. But anyways, I thought it was funny. So when we got to AU, I had never met her. I'd never talked to her. Like, you know, she has this persona on social media. So like, I have no idea what to expect. And I was thinking she was going to be this just like, hard nosed grind don't mess with me type of person and she is just the sweetest little teddy bear I've (laughs) ever met like she's just like one of those people that just shows their emotion with no remorse and like she is who she is and like no one's ever going to change her and she has very deep feelings and she wants to share those with you and so it's funny looking back like I thought she was just like this hard nose like competitor which she is but on the other side like she's a great teammate she always is like wants to make sure you're okay too she wants to do well but she's never going to let that affect like how she's treating people or what her body language looks like on the field she just loves to play the game and it's just so fun to be around her and and her love for the game really does kind of inspire you to be like yeah like we're professional athletes I love being here like let's Mm -hmm. go to practice yeah I'm so glad earlier that you mentioned too, like talk to the veterans. Like, I wish I would have done that more. Mm. I only play two seasons, but I think one thing that I feel like would have made it a better, and maybe that's because I didn't have a whole lot of veterans on my team, but the veterans, like they've been through it. They've been through the, Hey, you know, I'm one of the best on my team to, Hey, we're all amazing. Like, how do you handle that? Mm -hmm. Cause I didn't handle it well personally, but when you talk to people who have been there, I think that's huge. And that's like, even if you're going to a brand new team in travel ball, or you're going and playing in college and you're a freshman and you just want to like get to know what they like, you can never ask too many questions. I feel like, do you like, are there certain veterans? And I feel like you're almost a veteran now. Like you've been playing so long, um, which is amazing. But like, (laughs) who are the people that you looked up to, especially when you first dove into pro ball? Um, I didn't have like anybody that I was like, I want like to know everything about why they're good. You know, like I didn't have anything in mind, but I knew that relationships are very important to me. So going in, I was like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm learning as much as I can while I'm here and why they're, why, when they're willing to help me. 
So I know I remember going in with scrap year, Scrapyard Year One. Um, Amanda Chittister, Chitty, was a, a big thing for me because it's like, wow, she's so strong. She's so good. She's older than me. Mm-hmm. Like She's been in the game a long time. I would love to pick her brain. Um, and as I moved through my career, my career was kind of um, a little bit everywhere. It was definitely not a straight line. Um, it was a little wavy, windy road. But I started with Scrapyard Year One, and we had like 45, 50 people on the roster, which is insane, but it gave us a lot of opportunity to grow. So Amanda Chittister was definitely one there that I wanted to learn from. And um, Valerie Ariotto was huge for me because she was a first baseman as well. Playing for USA, I was playing for Mexico. So the situation was a little different too, because I had been playing for Mexico for so long that I've been playing against all these girls. And so it was a little less of, hi, I'm a rookie, help me out to a, oh, I've seen you on the field. Like we know that like we're there, right? <laughs> yeah. So so whenever I went my next year to play with Cleveland Comets, it was a lot of just us Mexico girls. And then maybe just like a few sprinkled in of people that weren't on our team, but that were on the Cleveland Comets. And then finally, when we got to AU, I think AU is really the place where I was able to to ask a lot of questions because we're in one place for six weeks with all 60 of us, which is such a game changer. Let me tell you, especially with just practices and the teams changing every week, you're getting to play with new people and ask new questions and different conversations start. And Megan Wiggins has been one of the ones I think that I've learned from a lot too, because she's so open and generous and she's another one too, that I would have thought had a different personality than what she gives off in real life but um she just seems like this hard nose like very aggressive in your face like don't mess with me mm-hmm. and on the field totally is like yes. that is her yes, through and I can through attest, but yeah. off the field you know she has she just has a, a warm inviting personality and she has this little bulldog named hope and she loves antiquing and fixing things up and you know selling them and making distressed bleach t-shirts and doing all these fun things and it's she's just such a breath of fresh air um, especially like she owns who she is she doesn't try to be someone she's not um but she's definitely one of the ones that's always willing to help players uh rookies coming in or anybody and a lot of times we just get into conversation about hitting because or fielding really because naturally we're there and we're hitting i'm like hey what do you think about when you do like if you're working on an inside pitch what body part are you thinking about the most and you know we'll just start talking going back and forth but she's another one that i think really really helped throughout that journey not just me but every rookie that comes in, I feel like Megan Wiggins is such an icon in our game. And so um, she's been great. But another thing is I don't also only talk to hitters. So I love, I love to talk to pitchers about like what they're thinking, right. what their, what their sequences are, which they think I just want to learn, but maybe I'm actually scouting <laughs> them. So Right. No, that's so <laughs> interesting. <to> <laughs> um, I thought about the lineup of people that I've interviewed and I've interviewed so many pitchers and I only pitched in high school and I don't, there's just mm-hmm. something fascinating about that side of the game. Cause I did not, you know, do that. I mean, I played defense, I mm-hmm. hit like, I mean, even catchers, I'm so intrigued by too, but like, I feel like I just want to get to know right. the world of a pitcher, you know, and they're all different, which is crazy, but oh, yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. 
If you haven't noticed, fall is here, which means winter is even closer. And we just added a few warm things to our empowerment gear, which is the gear that we have for the podcast and Ashley Burkhardt training. Not joking, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to head there and purchase for myself a crew neck. Um, which we've never had before. And this was Haley Cole. Shout out to Haley Cole. She used to work for us. Um, She was like, Ashley, you need a crew neck. So we actually have a When the Cleats Come Off logo times the ABT Swing logo on the front of the crew neck, which is perfect for this cozy season we are headed into. So I'm gonna get myself an extra large and cozy up this winter. If you are interested in adding some softball or When the Cleats Come Off gear to your wardrobe, go ahead and head to www.ashleybtraining.com. Click on the tab in empowerment gear. And when you check out, make sure to put in the, the very end when you check out, type in podcast 10, that's one zero, P-O-D-C-A-S-T one zero at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. And if you want to go back in later and get more, you can still use that code. I just want to thank you so much for being incredible listeners of the show. And I'm excited to give you this gear so you can, you know, rock something that you enjoy. So overall, AU experience, I think it's the coolest thing since sliced bread. I'm not even playing in it. Would you agree with that statement? (laughs) (laughs) 10 out of 10 would recommend every day of the week. Yeah. I love AU with everything I have. And also, like, I'm part of the player executive committee for AU. So AU is completely player run. Um, no coaches, no GMs, no anything. So I am a little biased because I work throughout the year to, like, make sure the season happens. And, you know, signing contracts, doing uniforms, um, all the player management, you know, all like anything you think of, the PEC has a hand in it. So um, it's definitely a lot, but I have poured my heart and soul into AU. So I will always say 10 out of 10 best experience ever, but I will say it's the first time we've ever really been treated like professional athletes. Mm -hmm. I remember showing up the first year and thinking, wow, a cage, we have a cage to hit in. Wow. We actually have shoes. We have a full, we have full practice gear, you know, like all these things, they do our laundry for us. Like all these things that we didn't get um, in my previous experience. Mm So no. Yeah. And, And that's the thing is like so many of the players in AU have played in PF. So they know what that experience is like. And that's why AU, we, we try so hard to make sure that the players have everything that they could need and make sure that they feel like they're being taken care of over really performance at the time. Mm-hmm. Like we want to make sure you have everything you need to perform. And then, we'll, then we'll talk about performance yeah. because we truly believe in the athletes and we want this to grow. And we want it to be as big as the MLB and one day, hopefully it will. So cool. And I love how you're on that committee and you're you're so involved. I'm literally telling my sister this all the time because she just graduated this year. I'm like, sis, you don't <laughs> get how it used to be. Like, go play. <laughs> like, if you want to play, AU is the place to do it because it's just everybody seems to just one like get along. And I and it that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. like not all teams are gonna love each other. You know, like not all players are gonna be best friends. But like when I see you guys compete, it's like. It's the coolest thing to see when somebody hits a home run, everybody's at home playing going nuts. And it's not fake. Like none of it is fake. It is real life. These girls love each other more than anything. And like you said, you play together for so many weeks. There's 60 of you. Like you do things off the cuff together. Like it just seems like such a cool experience that 
you know, if it existed when I ended playing, I would probably try to get into, but it's just so cool. And I love that that's where our sport has come because it's come a long way. Me too. It's amazing. We, softball really needed something. And I think AU was the perfect yeah. thing. And it came at the perfect time. Like during COVID, I remember watching oh. these games going nuts. I'm like tweeting every five seconds. Like, did you see that play? Or like, did you see that home run? Like the whole time. It's amazing. I have no idea how we pulled that off in 2020 because let me tell you, that was it's probably rough. Yeah. Like just the world in in general mm-hmm. was a nightmare. And like for us to f- like pull out six weeks of full play, not have any games be suspended. And we had to stay like we were either at the field or at the hotel. We couldn't go anywhere else. We couldn't get groceries. We couldn't um, drive through Starbucks. Like, you know, we couldn't do anything. So it was pretty much softball was our life. Mm-hmm. But that was the time I think that we really needed as a league to come together and realize how special the league was. And I think really that's why AUS thrived so much because in 2020 we set the groundwork of like how we wanted this league to run and like how much time and effort we wanted to spend on getting to know each other and as people, not just as softball players. So we have a lot of things off the field that are bonding experiences and really safe, a safe space for people to share their thoughts and emotions and fears and worries and everything that they could ever worry about or just be really happy about, right? Somebody to share your good news with. But 2020 was a great thing for us because we were forced to hang out with each other. So as the time went on, 21, 22, we've set all these things in place um, to allow us to get to know each other better. And I think that has truly helped playing on the field because like you mentioned, like we switch teams every week. You don't, you're not going to be best friends with everybody. That's just not realistic, but you have built connections with these people. Even if you're not besties, text them every day. You, you have a a certain amount of love and respect for these people, for your counterparts. And hopefully you're lucky enough to get to play with everybody at least once Mm -hmm. in your AU time. And how cool that in AU, you got to play with your Olympic teammates from team Mexico and a bunch of other, Mm. a bunch of other um, nations as well. It's funny how you mentioned that some of the people you looked up to were on team USA, but like, I know when I watched you guys compete in the Olympics in 2020 team Mexico, they, you guys loved each other. Like it's, it almost felt like the same as AU when it came to like vibes and how you guys got along. Tell, take us briefly Mm -hmm. through just like the Olympic experience and what it was like competing for your country, but also like competing with these other athletes who are just stellar people too. Yeah, our team was extremely close. We we had been through the ringer, to, to put it lightly. I started in 2016. So 2016 was my first summer uh, with Mexico. And Sash and Anissa and a couple others, I can't Dallas, of course. Um, there were a couple others that we all joined around the same time. Sash was our like tried and true. She's been there since like 2011. Mm -hmm. So she had been there a while, but so over the years, you know, we were able to kind of build this friendship and really build the team in general. When, when I first started with the team, we were getting run rolled like 21 to zero and there was just nothing we could do. And we only played two tournaments a summer. And so it was a very minimal part of your life, but you were still like building these relationships, trying to figure out international ball. Cause if you think college and pro yeah. are different, international is like a whole, a whole nother monster. There's different so, rules and everything too, right? Um, just, 
Oh yeah. It's a, it's a bunch. There's like a pitching clock. You got to keep your foot, one foot in the box. Like, um, there's a safety bag, which is one of the good things, Mm -hmm. especially being a first baseman. But, um, yeah, like a lot of things are different. So we're kind of going through that together. And each year we just like slowly and slowly started getting better, recruiting more people. And we, played with the Comets in 2019. And that was a huge year for us because it was the qualifying year. And then also we were playing the MPF and we had the Pan American Games in Peru. So we go to Peru. We play probably the worst we've ever Hmm. played. So bad. Not to mention it was winter Peru at the time. So we had come from a really hot Cleveland, Ohio, like, scorching summer playing softball and only having two bags whatever you brought for the summer and having to go to peru and it be freezing cold we hadn't seen the sun in two weeks so we didn't have the right clothing i stayed in my dallas cowboys gray hoodie and sweatpants that i thankfully brought pretty much the whole two weeks but on the field we played terrible like not only did we play bad, we just like every call that could have happened just went the other way. Like, you know, a bunt that's like spinning spins out, of course, and it's foul. We would have scored a run or close play at second. She's thrown out and everything that could have went wrong, went wrong, went wrong. Like we, we lost in the bronze medal game on a walk off to Puerto Rico and we had been beating them the whole game. So that was kind of like the picture of Peru. It was just bad. So we finally got a chance to go home and just be with our people, you know, our parents, our friends, being our own space, sit in your own bed. And we came back to Canada and we were like, you know what, this could be our last time ever to play together. And we just have such a strong bond that we poured into that a little bit more than like, oh, we could go to the Olympics, right? We were like, we don't want this to be our last time to be together. Mm. And I think everyone knew how special like this team was and how special our bonds were with one another. And so we just kind of went out and we started balling out, right? We, every call started going our way. And I think it was just like the softball gods being like, we got you, you know, like we saw what you went through. You persevered, you stayed with it and you're leaning on each other. Here's, here's a good, good chunk of calls that could have not gone your way. That will go your way. And not only that, just making phenomenal plays. We didn't make a single error in the qualifying tournament, which is huge. Uh, We beat Canada on their home field to qualify. A lot of our parents came. So we got to experience that together. And then on top of that, like moving forward, we found out the games would be postponed in 2020. And we kind of were just like up in the air. We had no idea what was going on. We were like, did we just play our last game together and didn't even know it? Like that would even be more sad than I think losing and not knowing what was happening. So finally we get the news that the games are just postponed to 2021 and we kind of start back up our training. And I think this is where like mentally we really had to tap in because our experience with our coaches was garbage and we should have never been treated like that as professional athletes or women, grown, grown women. They were treating us like children and basically threatening our spots every single day. So we really had to lean on each other and we had to not only lean on each other in the sense of like, all right, I got out, you're going to pick me up and get this run in, but also like I'm being berated in front of my teammates in front of a whole crowd. Like, can you please just offer me some support as a friend? 
And so that's where that bond, like, I feel like even tighter, like Mm. just like all the type of knots that anybody's ever learned, like was just tied in that rope and we were connected by this rope. And so going to the Olympics, it was a weird experience, I would say, because of just like everything going on in the world and how silent it was at the Olympics. Like there was nobody in the stands and I don't, I don't think anyone can truly understand how big the stadium was unless you've seen it in person because it looked like an MLB stadium. Like there were hundreds of thousands of empty seats Mm -hmm. and you're on the field and you feel like a tiny little ant. And we practiced the first time and it was cool because like we had it all to ourselves and, you know, we had all these helpers, uh, volunteers for the Olympics and most of them were Japanese. And so we were all like trying to talk to them in Japanese and we'd be like, Konnichiwa, hola. Like we would be trying to tell them and teach them Spanish, and like we would learn a little bit of Japanese, and it was a it was a fun day. And then um, just getting to game day, like weirdest thing ever, because you have to go through such specific steps because everything is so organized, right? Like I kind of equate it to the World Series being so quick. Like you have time to warm up in the back on the those backfields, but once that game is over on the big field that everyone plays on, you have to come in so fast. You have to be ready to start the game in 30 minutes. So there's no like jacking around. There's no anything. You stick to the schedule. And that's exactly how it was in Japan. We would go, we had to get there at an like, exact time, drop our stuff. Our hitting starts immediately. That's for an hour. Then we have to go on the field. That hitting is an hour. So pregame was like three hours in itself. So we had to like get through the warm up finally, and then we go to start the game, and it feels like you're just playing a um, an exposure tournament with like no fans there yeah. because it's just dead silent, no fans. But literally, the whole world is watching on their couches. <laughs> the whole world, which actually I think made it a little bit better because we like when I'm on the field, I know that they're recording, but that's never like in the front of my mind. I'm never like. I got to look pretty for this camera or like, I got to get a hit. My mom's watching. It It was always just like, I'm playing what's in front of me. So it was weird. Like during the game, you know, like the, just the side energy, right? Like, Hey, here we go. Hey, you got this. But like when both teams just randomly stop, you could hear a pin drop. Like it yeah. was so weirdly quiet in the stadium and it like everything was almost echoey. Like if you threw the ball to first base and I caught it, it would echo in the stadium. So like kind of adjusting to the craziness of feeling so small in this big stadium and, but yet everyone's watching you every move ready to be like, Oh, she didn't deserve to be on the Olympic team. Like I'm sure that happens so often, but at the end of the day, like we're on the biggest stage. We did what we needed to do to get here and we're going to show up and play. And unfortunately we didn't come away with a medal, but we came damn close. I was going to say, and I'm proud of that. So dang close. Everything we went through. Yeah. That's so oh, hard. It's such a good game too. Yes. I remember that game. It was like, it was so intense and you thrived that whole time. Didn't you hit like 500 or something? Like you were just so clutch. I don't think I hit 500. I think I hit like just under 300, but I had some big hits and like I had, a, I want to say like three or four RBIs. So mm-hmm. in what, five games, six games. Yeah. I I will say it was so fun to watch. I know I wanted you to come away with the medal too. The crazy thing is, is like you think of that and you're like, 
you have Team Canada out there, you know a bunch of them. Like Team USA, you know a ton of them. I feel like the only team, Italy, same thing. Pian Castelli's out there. It's like the only team you probably didn't know that well was Japan. <laughs> like, yeah. all the teams. I think, honestly, we played Japan so often um, that, you know, we didn't know them, mm-hmm. but we knew, like, everyone knew, like, oh, number eight, first base. Like, uh, there's this girl actually on Team Japan. I don't know her real name, but she plays on the same team in the Japan League as Carly Hoover. Okay. And they're besties. They're super close. And so when we would play them, I would look at her and I would go, Carly. She said, Carly? I'm like, Carly Hoover, your girlfriend. Because they always joke around. They'd be like, that's my Japan girlfriend. That's my American <laughs> girlfriend. And so from then on, like her and I kind of had like this unspoken like thing. We'd just be like, sup? Yeah. And I, I remember we played them, I think it was in California. And I hit a double. And she was playing second base and I got to say, she gets the ball. She throws it in. She goes, nice hit though. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. Japanese players, like, like, they yes. have so much respect. Like it's like to a whole nother level for this game. Oh. And I talked to Natasha Watley on here a whole all level. about that and how different the world is over in Japan, especially in the softball world. But it's crazy. It's crazy how they see it. And it's, it's kind of cool because it's a different culture and you saw so many different cultures playing. Um, and you got to play against that. Yeah. Just, I know a lot of people have the dream to play at the Olympics. Is there any like word of advice that you would give? Cause like, was Olympics part of your radar when you were younger? Did you want to do that then? Like, what would you tell somebody who's young, who wants to play in the Olympics? Like what should they do to prepare physically and mentally for that? I think, uh, for me, it was a little bit of different of an experience because when I was, I want to say I was, let's see, eight. Plus four, when I was 12 was 2008. And that was the last time that it had been played. Mm-hmm. And of course I thought I was, I wanted to play. I, I wanted to be on team USA. Like I used to make these little, um, do you remember the photo bucket website where you could like upload photos and like edit all the crazy, like text on the picture. And like, it was I like don't know if I was into that. I feel weird for not knowing. Oh my gosh. It was my life. Okay. So, you know, like when you go and edit your MySpace pictures and you can like import them into your page, whatever. Okay. So it was that. Me and one of my friends had got on photo bucket and we're like seeing who could design the best like Olympic poster. So we would get like a team, a picture of team USA in 2008 and like be like the dream team and like put all these cute little things on it. So it was always in my, my sights of wanting to go to the Olympics, but the Olympics were gone, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't know if they would ever come back. And so for me, my journey really started on just one, loving the game, wanting to play more, um, two, wanting to represent my family and my grandparents who are no longer with us and died whenever I was very young. So I'd never really truly felt connected to them. So that was an opportunity for me to kind of connect in my own way and my own way to give back to them and everything they did for, for our family and just meeting new people. You know, I knew that there would be all sorts of people that would come and play um, that were in a similar situation as me. Like I didn't feel very close to my um, Mexican heritage growing up. And so I was like, you know, what well, if I go play for this team, like I could be doing this for grandma and grandpa. Like I could do this for me. I could get better for A&M. And I could also meet people that are like me and maybe feel a little bit more connected to my half of my body that 
I present as, right? So I present, I think, as a Latina woman. And so I want to be able to kind of back that up a little bit. I don't want to walk around clueless. So whenever I started, softball was not back in Olympics in 16. I think it got put back in in 18 or 19, maybe. Not sure, but um, it was never really like, I'm playing to go to Olympics. It was kind of just like, oh, well, if it comes back, awesome. We'll have a shot. If not, like I'm loving this experience and want to continue to play with them. And so once it came back around, like I realized, okay, if we're going to like actually go and do this, we have to be a little bit tougher on ourselves. Like I need to take those extra reps. I need to make sure with everything going on in my life, like I make time to prepare and make my body be its best that it could be. And for me, that means being strong, being powerful. And like, even though I wanted to lose weight and like be like healthy, quote unquote, being at the size that I was at helped me with my power. And I started to understand like I was accepting my body and allowing it to do what it wanted to do instead of what I thought it needed to do. And so really just making a plan and finding ways to work around my work schedule and my training schedule. And it was quite hard in 2020. I had to hit 500 balls a week into a net uh, off a tee in my garage Mm. and I only had one bucket of balls. So I was just sitting there swinging and swinging and swinging. And my biggest piece of advice, I will say sometimes it sucks, but if you want it bad enough, you'll get through it. And you'll do it happily because you know that it'll all be worth it in the end. And I think that goes for anything like uh, college softball, life in general. Like sometimes we have to do things that really suck and that we really hate. But in the long run, if it's going to make you a better person, a better player, a better teammate, why not do it? Suffer now to reap the benefits later. That's what I always tell myself. Like if I'm working out and the running that I'm doing is just absolutely terrible. I'm thinking about how much better I'm going to feel once I get into season and I and I feel my legs working and I'm like, oh yeah, I've been here before. I know that this is not my threshold. Mm-hmm. I can push further and I can play longer and I can get stronger and I can do all these things. So sometimes you do have to push through the sucky stuff. Mentally, I would say bet on yourself day in, day out, a thousand percent. Don't let anybody's perception of you cloud how you feel about yourself. Obviously, we always want to be realistic and set those goals for ourselves, but don't let anybody's negative opinion of you or your skill set affect how you go out and play the game. And I say that because I think that's happened to all of us Mm -hmm. in our career and doubting ourselves and doubting our worth because of how we're playing. And at the end of the day, this is just a game. And yes, we love it. And yes, we've put our whole life into it, but I guarantee softball will not be the only important thing in your life. And no matter what, you still have people that love you. Hopefully you have, you know, friends, family, people that are are there behind you, pushing you. And it's never a bad thing to ask for help. Like sometimes I need support and I'll be like, Hey, can you just tell me that I'm really good at softball today? I really need to hear that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just knowing that there's people out there that are willing to help. Sometimes you just have to be willing to ask, but don't ever let other people's perception of you feel, make you feel like you're less than worth it. So good, Tor. I even saw on your Instagram, this was like, I think in 2019, so don't judge me for remembering this or even stalking when it actually happened, (laughs) but you had asked your audience to um, write down who you are in one word type of a thing. 
and people were one yeah yeah like basically one word to describe yeah, me that was it thank you like what would you say like if i give me one word to describe yeah me. and then you followed yeah. up that post with saying basically a post saying i'm more than just that one word and I don't know if you were going through a lot in 2019, mm -hmm. which led you to this, but like that realization of like, I'm more than just this one thing, I feel like it's huge, especially for youth athletes who um, identify as only this or only that. What was that all about? Can you take us a little deeper into that quote? Yeah, well, we had done the um, package deal photo shoot at the AT&T, the Cowboy Stadium. So I was, honestly, I was looking for a post to like like a good picture to post i had no idea what i was going to caption it or anything and i and i remember sitting there looking at all these pictures thinking like oh i wish my hair was different here or like i wish maybe my eyes were a little open or maybe i was smiling a little bit too big and so i was thinking i wonder what other people think when they look at me like when they see this picture of me what do they think mm -hmm. and so i was like i'm gonna ask like i'm just gonna be like hey just like drop a word and you know sometimes you'll post that and you'll get like one or two responses yeah like, you got so many so many and i, I remember looking at i'm I like go back. i well i remember looking at all of them and thinking like oh my god these people think this of me like one how cool is that like to know that this many people like love and respect you like as a person not just as a softball player and so the next day i was looking at all these words and i'm like yeah that, that's true yep that's true too like yeah that's true and so i'm like why do we think that we only have to be labeled as like one thing right you introduce yourself hi i'm tori vidalis i play softball what about like hi i'm tori vidalis and i'm relentless mm -hmm. in getting what i want like i am i have an attitude when i don't eat like you know i am <laughs> coexisting in these spaces like why yeah. can i not be this and this and this so i wanted to share that and like for me at the time like i had just graduated i was still trying to find my place in the world like i was waking up and working out once a day and then just like sitting at home all day until my lesson so i was still feeling a little bit lost and needed a little bit of affirmation from the outside and also wanted to show that like I am all of these things and more like there's never a period at the end of the sentence. It's always a comma because I'm constantly adding things of who I want to be and what I aspire to be and qualities that I want to have. And then I hope people can see that as well. Like I never wanted to be just one thing. I always wanted to be more than that, more than meets the eye, mm -hmm. which is funny because I made, I made a canvas during COVID or actually maybe it was a little bit, later than that, but um, a couple months ago, uh, I made a canvas that said more than meets the eye because I wanted to not only write something, like I wanted to make my own art, but I wanted to make something that I could hang in my room. And I was like, what would I put on it? And then I was like, hmm, passionate, hmm, relentless. Like, you know, I'm thinking of all these words and I'm like, but I'm more than all of those. I'm like, and any word that I put on there, I knew that I was going to think of something better. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I wish I would have put that. So I was like, you know what? I'm more than meets the eye. Like you'll never be able to just look at me and, and know everything about me or you think you might, but there's so many like little quirks and things that I have that people are like, what you did that? Like I remember telling people that I was on the swim and dive team and I won the, the regionals for diving my sophomore year. And people are always flabbergasted that I 
was on the dive team. And I'm like, yep. And not only was I on the dive team, I was on, I was in the musical in my high school for four years, you know? So people are always learning like these small things about me that I overlook because I lived them. Right. So I, I always try to like realize that everybody has more than meets the eye and that we're more than our outwardly appearance or our words or whatever. We're just beautiful little energies put all into one little bubble. Amazing. You are more than meets the eye. And that's what everyone is. And I hope that people, when they walk away from this, are like, mm-hmm. Tori helped me realize that like, I don't care if I'm a mom, a dad, a coach, a player, like you are more than what other people think of you. And like, mm-hmm. but you're always the main character in your own story. Exactly. Exactly. We got to give main character energy. Facts. Main character energy. If I could, <laughs> if I could name this episode that I might have to, I'm jotting it down. Um, okay. So obviously I wanted to talk to you about first base and hitting. I'm kind of thinking mm-hmm. and hoping you'd be down to do another episode one day where we can just talk about those two things that we Absolutely. love. Absolutely. Is that cool? Because I, I think love those two what things. I loved about I this conversation is just you have so much to your story and your journey that is so relatable and also different, but also inspiring and all the things. And I feel like it would do what we have next to talk about. It would feel like a total 180. So how about we plan a new, another time? doesn't have to be tomorrow, but another time where we talk about those two things and we dive into, you know, obviously... This whole first base percentage in college where you had 983 percentage as a first baseman and third baseman, that's insane. Let's talk about how you were so good at that. And then we'll talk about hitting and all the good things with that too. Perfect. Yes? Okay, great. I love those two things. I can't wait. Okay, me neither. I know. I can't wait either. But I think that'll be cool that we could just do an episode just about that. Sweet. Okay, but that doesn't mean I don't have five to thrive questions for you. Oh, let's do it. Before we dive into those, people are probably so in love with your story and you and they want to follow you, how can they do so? Where do you like to hang out the most? Um, usually I'm on Instagram during softball season on, on Twitter. I don't tweet very much, but I'm constantly peeping. But uh, you guys can find me at, at Vidalis Tori on pretty much any social media. Um, yeah, come follow. Come hang out. I like to be funny on my Instagram and sometimes on Twitter. I usually just browse on Twitter, so I think it's funny. But Plus some TikToks here and there oh, yeah. just for fun. You have some good ones. Aren't you on Cameo too? I am on Cameo. I sure am. So if you guys are looking for any more insight. Yeah. Get to know sign, Tori. Sign up and yeah, get to know me. We can have a chit chat. <laughs> love it. I love it. Amazing. Okay. So I will have all of those things in the show notes for people to go click on and follow you and find you. Thanks. This has been so fun. Amazing. I've loved just getting to know yeah. you and your story. I thought I knew it all, but you know, I wasn't even close. Let's be real. But you gotta dig deep. I know. Are you ready for well, it meets the eye? You know what they exactly. say. Exactly. Are you ready for um the part that gets everybody's heart rate a little higher? Five to thrive questions? Of course. Okay, great. Of course. You're an athlete. You're ready for I'm this. Ready. You're born for this. First question is why did you choose to wear number eight in college? My brother wore number eight growing up. Um, I was never number eight until about high school. He was wearing it. And then um, eight was actually taken my first year by one of the seniors. So I had one of the girls coming out of that class, Cassie Tysarczyk. I think you played with her Mm -hmm, as well. But mm -hmm. um, she kind of took me under her wing as a like incoming baby unofficial visit person. And she wanted to pass down her number five to me. So I wore number five for my first year of college. 
And then I switched back when I could get back to it for number eight. So I do it kind of in honor of my brother, but also because it's become my favorite number over the years as well. And I also have a tattoo of number eight. (laughs) It's almost looks like one of those infinity symbols too. Right. Forever eight. It's the beauty of it. Double entendre. It's perfect. What's your favorite hobby right now? What do you love to do? Hobby. I love to read. I love reading a lot. I've been a little bit down just because I've been moving, cleaning, doing all these things, but um, love to read. I'm reading A Court of Silver Flames right now. Huh. I think that's what it's called. I've never heard of it. Akatar, you know. Okay. Okay. People that know, they'll know. I was going to say, you're going to have like a fan club after saying that. I'm going to have to look up. If you know, you know. know. (laughs) I thought you were going to say makeup. I thought you were going to say doing makeup because I still have the Becca. Oh, yeah. um, You see? Yeah. That's all makeup behind you. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I still have the Becca concealer that you told me about like forever ago. Oh, my gosh. The color corrector? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have. The like peach Mm -hmm. one? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. You were super into all that. Yeah. I've always loved it. It's like constant for me like I'm never like oh yeah right now I love makeup like I always do yeah. so I'm like well when we there. were always tired on the road I would tell I we were roommates a few times I was like dude my eyes are purple like I am so tired and you're like oh like I wear this Becca stuff and I'm just like okay buying click and you're like it's kind of expensive but yeah, I'm like right like I need purchase. it and the crazy thing is I only wear I know, it. makeup is so expensive. I'm wearing it now actually um just for you but yeah, I just... It's like a natural, natural Yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing. No? Um, should I put that no in makeup, the show makeup. notes too for later? Um, but... No makeup, makeup tips. No ma- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so I have to ask you this one. Hitting or defense? Do you have a fave? Hitting. Okay. All day. Yeah. I figured you'd say All that. Day. I figured. But I had to ask anyway. If yeah. you... You knew. You knew. I did. I did. <laughs> if you could tell eight-year-old Tori one thing that she needed to hear, what would it be? Just be you. Trust yourself. Trust your instinct. Trust your body. Your body knows what to do. It's your mind you have to convince. Mm. Just keep balling out. Your body knows what to do. It's your mind you have to convince. Wow. Wow. That's that's like mic drop moment right there. Your body body knows how to move, how to swing. I mean, it's just so amazing that we make things so complicated sometimes. Your body is like, your body can only move in so many ways. So like, if you think about holding a bat on your shoulder or like in your stance, your body like naturally knows the best path to get to that ball. But the moment you start thinking like, oh, I have to hit it over the fence. So I have to get it in the air. Oh, well then I have to be on time. So I need to start early. Like, I need to do all of these things, X, Y, and Z. I need to squish the bug. I need to turn my hips. I need to get my shoulders. I need to keep my hands close. Like all of these things, that's when you start to hit yourself uh, into bad habits. But like, if you just let your body move be free, that's why you see like toddlers that they have such good mobility and such good like depth and range of motion because the body knows how to do that. It's the habits we create over the years that allow us to not get into certain positions or not be as flexible or not do all these things. So your body is like literally born out of the womb, knowing how to do these things. Obviously you have to catch up with it, but Mm -hmm. your body just instinctually knows how to move. You have to let it like, you have to just like quiet everything in your mind and tell it to shut up sometimes and just let your body be free. It's so much more fun to play free. Totally. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. 
I never really thought about it that way. And I'm a hitting coach, you know, like obviously sometimes I'm like, Hey, try this or try that. But all in all, we were Mm -hmm. like hitting dingers when we were little, just hitting a ball off a tee and nobody taught us how to do that. Crazy. Exactly. It's, it's like instinctual. Yeah. Ask a toddler to drop into a squat. That's my favorite. Oh, they're so because flexible. you see the range of motion. You're like, why can't I do that anymore? Yeah. They are so <laughs> flexible. It's insane. Yeah. There's definitely something to that. I'm totally going on a tangent now, but there's this mat that's called the Miller mat. They have no idea that I'm showing mm-hmm. them out right now, but like it basically locks your front foot into a certain position. And then from there you just swing. And one of my great friends, Chase Darno, his little son, who I think is maybe three now, he just puts his kid like in in the slot and then just has him swing. And this kid's hitting dingers, like into people's yards. Like, and he is three years old and he's got it figured out. Like he's got a big league swing already. And he figured it out just by having, you know, obviously the foot being locked in, it's kind of more of a feel thing, like balance. But then he just figured it out. And I've been using this with my athletes And like, I think I worked with like eight kids one day and like six of them, six of the parents were like, where do I get one? (laughs) Like, it was like that huge, but it goes along with what you were saying is like, your body knows what to do. Just let it, let it do its thing. You gotta let it work. So good. This is so good. This is why I can't wait for our next conversation because it's going to be amazing. First of all, I have one more question for you, but thank you. Like this has been a long time coming. I've had you on my list of people I have to have on the show for a long time. And you're finally here. And I'm so happy that I could have a friend as amazing as you on. So thank you. Oh, that's and sweet. Thank, you, thank for you, just, you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. And thank you for just being such a really awesome advocate for the game. Like, and you do Aww. it in such like a cool, calm, collective way. But it's so fun to be able to follow you in your journey because you just, you have a ball when you play every time you play. And of course, every pitcher is scared of you because of the way you are so fierce in the box. But like getting to know you outside of that has been such a joy. So thanks. It's so opposite, right? I like look so mean and like, so like, I'm going to bite your head off. And then I'm like, hey, you want to go play with makeup? (laughs) Yes. I love it so much. All right. Duality. duality. (laughs) Okay. Last question that I have for you is... If you could give your game one name, like one word for your game, what would it be? Clutch. Yes. Coach Evans, Coach Evans told me after I graduated to like a camp, but she said it in front of me. She was like, Tori Vidalis is one of the most clutch hitters that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think more times than not, I lean on that, that she like thinks that of me because there's been a lot of times in the pros where I don't feel like that. Like I'm like, Oh, why can't I just like get that big hit or like get that big home run or make that big play, but I can do it. And I have done it. I just have to believe that I can do it. Like it doesn't matter what level I'm at. I will show up. I just have to believe in myself. Like coach Evans believes in me more than anybody that I've ever met. So if she can, and she's never been in like my shoes, why shouldn't I? Like I've been through the most, so I like to say clutch because I love pressure. I think it's so fun. Makes it's like it's like gambling for me. <laughs> I don't actually gamble. So like gambling in the game, be like, all right, you either get the hit or you don't. You either win the big money, right? The win, 
or you lose and you don't get the big hit. And either way, you got to move on with life. So sick. I love that one. And I'm sure you've had many times where you're like, I'm clutch. And like you're in this situation and you're like, I'm oh, yeah. clutch. I'm going to be clutch right now. And like you talk yourself into being clutch mm-hmm. and then you're clutch. There's definitely something to that psychologically. Literally the last at bat of my career at AM, we were at Florida. And I, I was like, this could be my last at bat. I was like, how cool would it be if I hit a home run right now? But then I was like, okay, focus, like just breathe, make sure you're like embracing this whole like experience. And I remember the count was three, one. And I was like, Oh man, like, I hope I don't get walked for my last AB. And I was like, I'm just going to, sw- if she brings it up, I'm going to swing. And I ended up hitting a home run and it, it worked out. And then afterwards I was thinking like, Whoa, I just said that to myself <laughs> right before I like went in the box. Like that was crazy. But little did I know everybody else in the world was saying that too. Like, Oh my God, then what if she hits a home run right yeah. here? <laughs> so kind of like pulling in from all the positive that everybody was sending me through the Facts. TV screen. <laughs> so good. So good. Well, thank you again <laughs> so much for being on and I can't wait for our next conversation. It's going to be epic. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to listen and pass on to all my friends and fam. Yay. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. As I told you before, you were going to love Tori. And if you love her, just know she's coming back for a part two. We are going to record that one soon and talk all things hitting and first base. Now, if you have questions for Tori that you want me to ask her next time she's on the show, leave a little review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or just send me a DM on social media, which you can find all social media in the show notes, and let me know what more you want to learn from Tori the next time I interview her. As always, you can find how you can follow Tori on social media below in the show notes as well. And feel free to send her a little DM. (laughs) As she said, um, she is one of those that really loves hearing positive affirmations, as do I. And when she gets to hear what you learned from this conversation, um, she can truly know that she made a difference with this episode. So go ahead, send her a little love on social media. Uh, Maybe give us a review on socials so we can help this podcast grow and become the podcast I've dreamt of as one of the top sports podcasts, especially the one in softball. All right. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your week and you will see a solo episode from me next week that you're not going to want to miss because I am busy preparing it currently and it's going to be a good one. So don't forget to stay humble, stay awkward, keep smiling and keep working so hard towards those big goals of yours. See you next week. Mm